Mission Impact is a unique radio program broadcast in English from Paris and studio from FSGU representing the Jewish Civil Society in France. This is a bi-monthly radio broadcast. Uh, is a mixture of great one-on-one -on -one intimate interviews, highly personalized thought exchanges and discussions with a guest selection, reading and music for discovery and more. And uh, I'll be happy to receive relevant international who's who personalities of the Jewish world and non-Jewish world at the global and local dimension. This Nation Impact Radio, this is George Hazan welcoming you. Russia's invasion of Ukraine and China's military buildup herald a new era of big power rivalry. While never-ending nuclear talks with Iran are bordering on the absurd, President Joe Biden calls this the decisive decade. Yet, the label scarcely captures the moment. The start of the post-post-Cold War epoch in which the American-shaped world order may be violently undone by Russia and China. Great power competition is to tame amid Russia's destruction of Ukraine. The new Cold War, too reductive given the West complex economic interdependence with China. And meanwhile, America and Europe may soon have to decide whether to pull the plug on the nuclear negotiations process with Iran. And to tackle these issues, I have invited a really specialist, a top person that could really give us some lights, but also highlights on this particular um, no, I would say subjects. Dominique Moisey is a French political scientist and geopolitician. He joined the reputed Institute Montaigne as a special advisor to support the development of its international strategy. A founding member of the French Institute of International Relations, or the IFRI, he remained its deputy director and special advisor. Currently a professor at King's College in London, he has taught at Harvard University and several prestigious academic establishments in France. A columnist, he also publishes in Financial Times, the New York Times, the German Press and Harvard Daily Newspapers. A graduate from Sciences Po, Paris and Harvard, he obtained a doctorate in Sorbonne under the direction of Raymond Aron of which he was the assistant. Thank you, Dominique, for coming in. It's really a pleasure to have you around this table to tackle some critical issues at this time. Thank you for inviting me. Well, the thematics that we wanted to tackle today, first, the war of Ukraine, of course, and how do you perceive the war of Ukraine one year after uh, it started, uh, you know, day by day. And what is your assessment for not only the current establishment of the situation, but also uh, the events at the end fold? Well, I think the first thing one must realize is that 
contrary to what some are saying or writing, this is not a classical war uh, between two countries claiming more territories. It's a war of aggression of one country against the other. And I think you have to uh, keep in mind uh, the conclusion uh, of uh, Volodymyr Zelensky's speech in the most symbolic of places, the Abbey of Westminster, uh, when he was the guest of uh, Great Britain. Uh, he said, I quote, freedom will win, Russia will lose. Mm -hmm. He did not say mm -hmm. Ukraine will win. He said very specifically, freedom will win. And it is true mm -hmm. that uh, from that standpoint, Ukraine is fighting for us, is our first line of defense. Uh, that's why uh, we have to be uh, uh, ourselves determined, resilient. The war may be long. There will be moments when we will fear uh, escalation of the war. But we must not give in to uh, the pressures of uh, Putin's Russia. We must not give in to blackmail. Uh, this is really about us as much as it is about Ukraine. Exactly. That's exactly the question that I wanted to ask. We've, we've put the uh, emphasis on the Ukraine when the war started a year ago. And it was that country, that nation against Russia. And as the events and the horror was unfolding, it translated into the we, us. Europe and probably the world. What is the paradigm? What is the shifting paradigm? How you analyze it? Well, I think uh, uh, the first shock for us was that war was returning to Europe. Of course, there had been the uh, uh, Balkan Wars in the 1990s after the collapse. Uh, of uh, Yugoslavia. But this is the first time war has really returned in the center of Europe with risks of extension and escalation. Second, um, in some ways we were saying to ourselves, never again war. And uh, it is very interesting that we have to keep in mind what Joschka Fischer, the uh, foreign minister of Germany, was saying in the late 90s as we uncovered uh, the massacre taking place in Kosovo and resulting uh, from Serbian soldiers. And he said, it's not only never again war, but it's never again Auschwitz. There are wars that are fought for principles. And the behavior of the Russian army since the war started in Ukraine gives weight to uh, the analysis made by Joschka Fischer 
more than 20 years ago. This is a war uh, which, to a large extent, is uh, um, opposing uh, the camp of democracy to the camp of uh, uh, authoritarianism in its most brutal form. And I think the argument made by President Zelensky, uh, if we give in uh, to the blackmail of nuclear Russia, if we give in to the blackmail of the authoritarian regime, it's the beginning of the end. We will have to give in again. So let's be strong in this first line of defense. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. Let's move uh, to a different, um, uh, I would say, ecosystem of power. The stage of the China-US of late have seen really um, some unfolding, uh, uh, I would say, reactions on both sides of nations. Um, you know, uh, we see not only China getting into arms or getting you know, into, you know, empowering its own army. And it's not only on the army side, it's also on the economic aspect. And uh, the U.S. is really preparing, really probably not for a Cold War, but I would say a warm war probably in the uh, coming future. How do you analyze the, um, the state of the China-U.S. relations as we see now unfolding? Well, I think uh, if you are uh, looking at the situation from the White House, in uh, Washington, uh, you tend to give priority in the long run to the competition with China. Uh, from that standpoint, uh, the war in Ukraine is a parenthesis that the Americans would like to see closed as quickly as possible. I would nearly say a distraction, but of course, it could be a fatal destruction. Now, the rivalry 
uh, between uh, the two superpowers of the day, uh, China and uh, uh, the United States, is of course due to go on. Uh, it's a rivalry uh, between two powers, but it's a rivalry also between two systems, two ideologies. Uh, and from that standpoint, it is linked, uh, of course, uh, to the war in Ukraine. I think uh, the Chinese have tended to be uh, more aggressive in the last few years, uh, as if they were convinced that time was on their side, that uh, uh, the United States uh, was entering a period of inevitable decay. But then things happen. Uh, there is uh, COVID, of course, and I would say that uh, in at least psychological terms, uh, China has lost the war against COVID or uh, has not reacted in a very efficient way uh, to the various waves of COVID. And at that very moment, the United States was uh, returning to see ourselves and to be seen in many parts of the world as the, ins the indispensable nation, to quote uh, the formula coined by Madeleine Albright, uh, the Secretary of State of uh, Bill Clinton between 2016 and 2020. I think the rivalry will, of course, go on, uh, but no one wants to fall into war and i don't think war is inevitable uh, unlike what uh, some writers like graham hallison uh, have written comparing uh, the situation between russia between china and the united states uh, to uh, the situation that prevailed in the uh, greece uh, between athens and Sparta uh, before Christ. So uh, it's a very serious situation, uh, but of course it's a unique situation because at the time of the Cold War, there was only military competition between the Soviet Union and the United States. Today the competition is much more global and the fact is that the world needs China as much as China needs the world in trade, in economic, technological, whatever terms you can think of. If I do some bridging with the um, previous uh, subject, would we be frightened or afraid of a rapprochement between Russia and China? Yes, it's... Uh, it's a very preoccupying situation. At the same time, uh, I think uh, the Chinese are very keen to say to the world and to the Americans in particular, we are not like Russia. We are much more prudent. When the uh, spy balloon disguised as uh, uh, 
meteor uh, climate uh, observation balloon was uncovered uh, by the Americans flying above their sky. The Chinese have uh, apologized uh, more than once, saying it was a mistake, uh, uh, they, they wouldn't do it again. It was a demonstration of the fact that they wanted uh, Anthony Blinken to come to Beijing, uh, a trip that was canceled, and they wanted to restore some kind of normalcy uh, between themselves and the United States. So the more uh, Russia is defeated on the ground, the more the Chinese will take their distance vis-à-vis Russia, the more they will think twice about invading Taiwan with military force. And again, on that Taiwan the Taiwanese uh, subject is a very, and we'll, we'll spare only one or two minutes on that. Taiwan actually produces uh, probably 80% of all the microchip um, produced um, in the world. And uh, that could be really a bottleneck, not only strategically, but also geopolitically. Yes, it is uh, an important factor, uh, which, of course, uh, cannot be uh, uh, dismissed uh, like that. Uh, but uh, it is really about the issue of war or peace. The Chinese are clearly tempted to uh, regain control, full control of Taiwan before the 100th anniversary of the creation of the People's Republic of China in 2049 and uh, uh, what has happened in the last year has probably made them think twice about uh, uh, the possibility of doing it very quickly, very brutally Mm -hmm. through war. From that, uh, uh, I would say, geography of Asian Pacific, let's move to really the Middle East. Uh, of course, um, the nations that come into mind when we're talking about uh, tectonic uh, uh, collisions, we're talking about Iran, Israel, 
but we had some uh, hopeful uh, lights when we saw oh, for the last two years the signing of the Abraham Accords. But specifically regarding the Middle East, I would say equilibrium, how do you see the Iranian situation vis-a-vis -vis its neighbors in that particular you know, ecosystem? Well, I think in the past few years, and in particular since uh, Donald Trump denounced uh, the Vienna Agreement signed in uh, 2015, uh, the, creating the GCPOA, uh, it is clear that uh, the Iranians have moved further and quicker in the direction of becoming a nuclear power, a military nuclear power. And so we are back to uh, the terrible dilemma that existed uh, before uh, 2015. Shall we go to war with Ukraine to prevent her from becoming a nuclear power or shall we resign ourselves to see Tehran having nuclear weapons? Of course, there are other factors that are, are coming into uh, uh, the discussion. And uh, one key one is, of course, uh, the uh, uh, turbulence, <laughs> uh, the contest of uh, the Mullah's regime by the civil society in Iran. Uh, to a large extent, uh, Iran may think becoming a nuclear power will protect her from having the fate of uh, Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Uh, but Iran cannot use its nuclear weapon against its population and uh, uh, the situation is as it was uh, Israelis cannot rightly so resign ourselves themselves uh, to be uh, uh, submitted to uh, nuclear blackmail by Iran but can they take care militarily of uh, Iran without uh, uh, the absolute collaboration of the United States. And uh, on the Israeli side, there is a, a, a complicating factor, uh, which is the fear that Israel may be on the eve of a third intifada. So can Israel wage, so to speak, two wars? against uh, Palestinian terrorism and against Iran. So this is uh, the complexity of uh, the situation uh, we are faced with in the new old Middle East. Um, I have a probably a sideline question. 
Israel as a small nation, but actually a, a powerhouse in technology, but all their other sides also, is really taken up, I believe, in the middle to um, not only cultivate the uh, relationship that they have with Russia, but also try to not um, upset the Chinese because that's really the probably second or probably even the first power in the years to come or the decades to come. How do you observe the Israeli uh, position as uh, really being uh, taken, uh, you know, between the two nations that are powers there? Well, I think it's a very important question. Uh, first, there is an evolution that is taking place uh, uh, as Iran is uh, becoming uh, the first uh, supplier of arms to uh, Russia in its war uh, against Ukraine, Israelis are uh, thinking more and more of uh, sending weapons to Ukraine, uh, weapons that would uh, uh, destroy uh, Iranian weapons, and that would be uh, a strong symbol. But at the same time, you are absolutely right. Uh, the Israelis are taking great care uh, of their relationship with China. They know that in the future it will be a key actor for the world, but in particular for them. And I think they are wondering what it would mean for them uh, to be... Uh, relying, so to speak, on uh, a great power that had so little to do with the Jews, that have absolutely no remorse uh, about the past, because they simply uh, had no uh, responsibility in the fate uh, of the Jewish people in history, uh, a country that would be completely neutral uh, politically and ethically vis-à-vis uh, -vis Israel. And this is, uh, I think, an interesting question, uh, which at some point Israelis will have uh, to ask themselves. But right now, immediately, uh, there is another question, which is, well, of course, uh, the uh, Abraham Accord have uh, been a turning point, a very symbolic turning point in the relationship between Israel and uh, some key Arab, Arab regimes. Yep. But, uh, but it's, uh, uh, it's not solving uh, the question of the Palestinians and Israel has made peace with the regimes but not necessarily with what one could call the Arab street, uh, which is much more concerned than the, their regimes with the future of uh, the Palestinians. 
Dominique, thank you very much for uh, your insights. It's uh, really um, uh, clarifying a lot of things. Uh, you are really, uh, you have a bird's eye of many issues um, regarding the, not only the geopolitical aspect, but also the geostrategic aspect of the things. And uh, I'm looking really forward to extending this uh, kind of conversation further as really the events and the situation unfold. Thank you very much for coming in today. Do search Nation Impact, the bi-monthly program broadcast from France capitals, our recording studios in Paris, radio rcj.info website, or log in at the Apple and Android applications under SCJ FSJU. My name is George Hazan.